Welcome to the Dr. Wayne Dyer Radio Podcast. Discover the wisdom and remarkable insights of Dr. Dyer, world-renowned spiritual teacher and foremost authority on how the power of your mind creates your world. I remember Maslow used to talk to us about um, about motivation, about uh, the two different kinds of motivation. And um, he said most people are... Uh, what he called the deficiency motivated. That is, they look into their life and whatever it is that's uh, going on in their life that they don't like, they use that to, uh, to motivate themselves. So that if you're, you know, if you look at yourself and you step on a scale and there's 20, 20 pounds there too much, so then you're motivated to take off 20 pounds. Um, or uh, if there's things about your personality that you want to change, you have to look at the, the, the deficiencies and say, okay, this is what's wrong with me. And I got thinking about this um, years ago when, when uh, I had written a book called Your Erroneous Sounds way back in the 70s. And someone had called me in on a radio show and said something to the effect that why would uh, why why in America do we have so many self help books you know why do, why do people need so you know to have uh, you know books because and he was coming from a place of what Maslow called deficiency motivation assuming that a person who buys a self help book or a person who goes to a conference like an I can do it conference or anything like that has got something seriously wrong with them, and the reason that they go is then to get it corrected, to get it fixed up. Um, and uh, he said so self-actualizing people are very different. They don't um, – they're not motivated by – they don't look at what where they are in any other way than where I am is absolutely fine. It's perfect. These are, I'm here as a result of all the choices that I've made. This is my life. This is how I'm living my life. And uh, there's there's uh, nothing for me to fix. There's nothing – there's no deficiencies here. Um, but I am motivated by what Maslow called growth motivation, you know, so that wherever I am, whatever I'm doing at any moment in, in your life, and that's how I've been approaching, you know, even going on this on this trip or whatever, that I know there's a great adventure ahead of me. And I know that there's going to be, you know, I'm going to meet some fantastic people. And I know that uh, speaking in another country and, you know, is going to be, you know, having a new excitement. And I imagine the you know, place is sold out down in, uh, in Australia, in, in Brisbane. That's exciting. And, yeah. Um, and, and how much growth can, can you, you know, you know, can you handle in your life? So that I think of myself right now, Diane, I, I'm probably more in a growth spurt than I've ever been in my life. And I'm 75 years old. Uh, you know, my two brothers, both of whom are, are uh, a year or two years older than I am, have been retired for like 22, 23 years. They haven't done anything, you know, and I'm thinking. Just uh, fishing and yeah. relaxing kind of or thing. Just, yeah, just uh, a lot of times just kind of laying around and not really feeling like they have too much to do and so on. And I... I think about, you know, how much of my life energy, how much time I spend in a day just reading. You know, just, uh, you know, we were talking before about, we were talking about reading a little bit about Ramana Maharshi and uh, and taking on some of these uh, sort of more esoteric <laughs> <ideas>. texts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I've been reading a book called uh, Vasista's Yoga. I've been studying. I read the entire thing all the way through, which is a, a huge accomplishment just to get through it. And now I'm almost through it for the second time. Uh, and, and, and I can't wait to get to it. And I, 
and I, be, I begin to even question myself about um, even standing up before audiences and so on. I think to myself, I don't, e- I don't know enough for anybody to even you know want to ask me any question. When I checked into the hotel here over at uh, La Costa, um, there was a fellow there that told me, "Oh my God, you've changed my life," and just went on and on and on. And I was thinking. If you only knew that inside of me, I have all, it's like I just feel like I'm just beginning to scratch the surface, you know, and that, uh, and I don't know that that ever stops, you know. So as I'm talking to uh, to all of you out there right now, take a, any time that you're reading something that's going to improve your life or that's going to make, uh, you know, have new insights, it's going to change the way you look at, you know, anything or even in your relationships or even towards finance or towards your health or whatever it is that, um, you know, you can be, you can be a healthy person devoid of symptoms. And you can also be someone that is moving toward perfect health, you know, to a place where, you know, uh, you are living, you know, at, at, the, at the highest levels. Your blood is, your, your, you know, your blood sugar is where it, be, where it belongs and, and all of your systems are working. And they're not just working, but you're living from a place where you can do anything or create anything in your life. Um, and before I, before I took off for the plane yesterday um, from Maui, I... I I decided to reread a book that was really, um, really instrumental in my life. Um, back in 1978, I was uh, a, a guest on a uh, uh, in a program in Vienna uh, in uh, for the for YPO, Young Presidents Organization, and they put me on a panel there um, with uh, Virginia Satir. Uh, the great uh, uh, joint family therapist. Are you familiar with Virginia Satir? I'm not familiar with oh, her work now. Oh, yeah. Someone to put on my list. Yeah, Virginia Satir. And and then also uh, Viktor Frankl. And this was 1978. And uh, Viktor Frankl was, uh, you know, was at Auschwitz and he was at Dachau, two places that I visited in my life. Um, and, you know, that and his book was called my, A Man's Search for Meaning and basically says that... Uh, we're not motivated by anything other than our desire to feel a sense of meaning in our lives, you know, to have that. And when we lose that, we really lose our humanity. And he he details what it was like to uh, be taken from his home in uh, 1939 um, and just everything taken away from him. He was a, a very prominent psychiatrist. He had a very big, very big home, beautiful, and his entire family, everyone, was taken and put into boxcars and sent off to Auschwitz. And only one sister survived. His wife. He was only in his twenties. His, his it's wife. hard to believe even that something like that could take place. Yeah, you know, when, in this day and age. Yeah, and when you think about it, Diane, I, I mean, I was alive during this time. You know, I mean. It's just hard for me to imagine that in the years between 1940 and 1945, when the liberation came, uh, I was born in 1940, so I was a young boy in a, in a foster home in a series of orphanages at that time, but, but that I was alive and, and that somehow humanity had gotten so far off kilter that we could allow such a mm-hmm. horrific things to happen. You think, well, it could never happen. Now we've done that. It could never happen again. And and then there's Rwanda, and then, you know, mm-hmm. it's like... In, it's always that fear. Yeah, or what time. if you had been by whatever stroke of makes those decisions, mm. you know, a, a young Jewish boy mm. at that time? Or a young you know, Nazi boy. 
Right, or how different uh, mm, your life would have been. I always wonder if I, if they would have placed, you know, if I'd have been in Germany and I would have been a part of Hitler Youth because everybody, uh, every single person was required to be in it. Right. I just wonder, could I, could I have been con- convinced to behave in such a hateful manner towards, uh, towards anybody else? Or could, uh, you know, it's... Anyway, it gets yeah. you thinking. But oh. I heard an interview with Steven Spielberg talking about that when he was filming Schindler's, Schindler's List. I just watched that recently. Isn't too. that intense mm. to see it again? Yeah. And uh, I, I watched it recently, too. It was making the rounds it's on, on cable. It's on HBO. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So I, I recorded it. And, and uh, it. He, he remembers being you know in Europe filming, thinking, what if you know the situation had been different for mm. me? consequences you know if i had been there at that time what mm. would happen yeah so yeah it's it's interesting to think about but i'm glad i'm here yeah i am too <laughs> but i just it's the whole idea of wherever you are you know you don't have to uh, i used to say to my audiences when they would ask this very question about why you know why is it that people want to buy these kind of books and why are we have so many crazy people you know who uh, have to go to these kind of conferences and try to uh, improve themselves and so on I said, well, they're they're not deficiency motivated. They're growth motivated. And the, the slogan, that the term that I use, I used to say, uh, you don't have to be sick to get better. You know, right. and that's that's growth versus deficiency motivation. A person who thinks the only reason I would ever get better is if I've got something wrong with me. So I, you know, and and you go to the doctor, and the doctor is looking for something to be wrong with you. Um, as opposed to going to a doctor to say, I'm fine where I am, but I want to reach perfect health, maximum health. I want to be able to, right. you know, I want to be able to run a marathon and I want to be able to, you know. There's more uh, growth. Yeah. And right. for me, um, like we were talking about reading, you know, Ramana Maharshi or, you know, some of these ideas mm-hmm. have been around forever, but I've, I've never read that. Yeah. And, and there's still so mm-hmm. much more to learn, you know, and like you said, you realize – or I think, boy, I don't know anything. <laughs> I do it all the There's time. There's more to learn. It, yeah, I, I just, I'm just flabbergasted when I read, especially when I read Vasistha, and I think about things like uh, infinite consciousness and uh, and and. Uh, and when was uh, that written? Like. That's uh, that's thousands of years old. That's it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it, and it's an ancient. It's an ancient text. It's it's just it's a it's a story between Rama and uh, and Vasistha. A, 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 a guru teaching a young person about what you know, so kind of like the Bhagavad Gita, but yeah, it is. It's very similar. In fact, and there's there's things from the Bhagavad Gita in there. Quite a bit, quite a few things in there from that as well. To find out more about Dr. Wayne Dyer or any other Hay House author, please visit hayhouse.com. Thank you for listening.